our development of paramita or spiritual perfections can be looked at as the planting of a seed. Whatever species of seed or plant that we are giving rise to, whether it be a mango, a jackfruit, a salt tree, whatever sort of species we are planting in this seed, we can see that just one seed, one small beginning is enough to give rise to an enormous tree in all these cases. Something small gives rise to something enormous. The tree might flower and give rise to even more seeds. A hundred trees may grow to a thousand, may grow to a forest. And we can reflect on the growth of goodness in this way, how small acts and intentions of good can multiply and develop into an immense blessing to the world. The atmosphere in a forest filled with such trees is fresh, rejuvenating. It's an important change from the pollution that many live in in the city. And similarly, we can see the goodness and the air of goodness, the scent of goodness, developed as similarly wholesome and spreading from us and our actions in a similar way. Small acts of letting go of kilesa, the defilements, greed, hatred, and delusion, give rise to great happiness. As we develop on this path of practice, letting go of kilesa, defilement, little by little, the path develops and grows and an immense happiness becomes accessible to the dedicated practitioner. For example, a fairly brief experience of samadhi or calm in the heart and mind, say for 30 minutes, for one to experience pity and sukha, rapture, and pleasure can represent an experience of profound well-being, great happiness, that one, the likes of which one has never felt before. Just 30 minutes of happiness and well-being from a good meditation can result in immense blessing in this way. Such happiness can further serve as a foundation for insight into seeing the Dhamma, the truth of anicca, anatta, dukkha, inconstancy, not self, and suffering. And this represents an even greater blessing, all from small beginnings.
this nature of the world around us, anicca, anatta, dukkha, inconstancy, not self and suffering, it's already present in nature. It's the law of nature. We don't see simply because we are unable to see past the things blocking and crusting over the heart. But as we develop in the practice, we slowly can see and dispel these blockages. And then the truth of nature becomes apparent and a great happiness becomes accessible. And this is why the practice is essential because it leads to a sense of well-being and vision of truth, which is all important. As we grow calm and wise, we learn to become sensitive to the experience of suffering in the heart. We know its cause and slowly begin to see how when upadana, clinging, is present, it gives rise to dukkha or suffering. This connection becomes clear and apparent to us. When the heart is not empty, when it clings, it suffers. And so we begin to also see that in states of calm, samadhi, that the heart becomes, for a time at least, empty and a great happiness based on pity and sukha, rapture and pleasure arises. The kilesas absent themselves from the mind and heart and our beings become clear and bright. Samadhi is of great benefit. This is, it's true, a temporary happiness of some kind. The experience of samadhi can be compared to a stone laid on grass and it pats down the grass, blocks it from sunlight and keeps it from growing. However, the kalesa are still present deep down and when the experience of samadhi fades, they will come back. Yet nonetheless, such experience and such a quality of lucid calm is not to be underestimated as it's a very powerful boon in its own right and gives rise to miraculous results. It's a small practice in a certain sense, these intentions to develop the meditation, yet it gives rise to great things, just as one seed can birth a hundred trees, a thousand, ten thousand, a whole forest. It just takes time. So this practice over time, even though the acts of letting go of defilement may be small and moderate, gives rise to great benefit. For this reason, we should not underestimate effort made on the path. Even one night spent in effortful practice can be more valuable than a hundred years of life devoid of practice. Such a life lived over a long period, but with no effort towards development in the wholesome 
may be lived completely in vain with no benefit to everyone. However, as we develop the path, we begin to see the drawbacks of misconduct in body, speech, and mind. And this insight can be compared to our increasing insight now during this time of COVID-19, the pandemic, into how a virus spreads around the world and what we have to do to protect ourselves. We wear masks or we don face shields. We put into effect very various protective measures, all for the sake of protecting ourselves from the illness. And we can reflect that even though vaccines may eventually be developed for this, that other pandemics will also eventually come. It's the nature of such things. Similarly, the infection that we have most deeply in us is the kilesa, defilement, greed, hatred, and delusion. And these are always here. We might reflect and wonder why we were born during this time. We might feel sorry for ourselves, but we should not. We should recollect that this is our kama. No one made us have to take birth during this period. It was the result of our past action. And yet, one with wisdom, dedicated to the path of practice, can exist and even thrive, even in these conditions, even in this time of disease. They and we, as practitioners, can reflect that our practice of samadhi, in many cases, can be likened to a mask or a face shield against the infection of mental impressions or ramanas, keeping them from reaching the heart, just as a mask or face shield keeps a biological disease from reaching our bodies. When dislike and anger come up in the mind, when greed arises, if we have a degree of lucid calm, samadhi, then we can simply know these mental impressions and let them go. The protection is important. And this is the essential or one essential benefit of samadhi. However, at the beginning of our practice, such lucid calm is sometimes present in the heart and sometimes not. And it's important that we accommodate both situations. When lucid calm is present in us, it's good. The practice is easy. We know and let go of negative impressions. However, when it's absent, when our minds are restless, 
this is also a very important period of our practice. It's difficult. We are vulnerable to mental impressions and to defilement. And in such case, we have to put forth special effort to protect our minds and hearts. We must contemplate and use wisdom. We must look at how these defilements of greed, hatred, and delusion come from holding to a self. How, for example, our claiming of possessions in the external world when they are threatened with being removed from us, when we are threatened with having to leave these things that are dear to us, give rise to great suffering. And this belief and clinging to a self, we can see is based around and gives rise to kalesa and eventually suffering. The separation from the loved is pain and dukkha. So if we haven't contemplated this inevitable separation from external things, which is all of our lot in life eventually, then when it happens or when we're threatened with loss, we suffer. We might contemplate in our chants the fact that we must leave all we love behind, but sometimes we are just chanting. We are not really contemplating this at a deep level and so are unprepared when the day comes. We must prepare ourselves and think clearly about the fact that we must depart from all we care for. And this will prepare the heart, attenuate the kalesas, defilements, and help us soften our suffering. We can look at external possessions this way and also the body itself as it too is of the world and will eventually be taken from us. Additionally, we can contemplate in other ways. We can ask ourselves if we are the only one suffering. We can ask ourselves if our suffering is greater than others. Generally, the answer will be a resounding no. Many people in this world can't afford food. Many are hungry. Many can't support their families. Most of us have enough of each requisite. We have what we need. Yet, at the same time, we do still suffer. And we might ask ourselves why. It's because we still have in us the cause of suffering. So we must cultivate the path and specifically right view, samaditi, and see the truth about suffering. We suffer because we think in a wrong way. Yet, as we develop on this path, right view gives rise to wisdom. And this in turn dispels 
the defilements, our suffering becomes less. And our suffering can even become a motivation for us to put forth more effort on the path. For example, giving more, trying to develop the quality of dana, even at a higher level. We might give to the poor around us, feeling compassion for them. Even if it's just a little gift, 500 baht, uh, around $15, this can give rise to great happiness. Small things can allow great results. Similarly, we can reflect on a similar way with regard to the time that we have left in life. For an old person towards the end of their days, simply eight or ten days remaining of breath, of life, is a great blessing. And similarly, we can think that we have this much time, perhaps, that even this much time allowed to us could be of great benefit if we use it right and value it as it should be. One who's hungry and has only the most basic food, say a box of milk, might drink that box of milk but save a second box for another, reflecting that they have enough but want to make sure they have something to give. And such actions of knowing enough and knowing what is enough, being content, and therefore having more to give is greatly praiseworthy and gives rise to great happiness. This is important as a reflection for all practitioners, but is especially essential for the monks. Longpur Cha reiterated, spoke again and again to the importance of the monks sharing, of giving. The laity provide requisites for us to live on. They put forth great effort gathering and earning enough to purchase food and other requisites, and they give them to the Sangha. And the monks are obligated to use them well and also to share such happiness, not to take it all for oneself or to get lost in one's defilement around it and greed around it. If a monk does this, if they allow themselves to give into greed around the given requisites, it's a very bad thing. The chitta, the mind, falls. And Longpur Cha reiterated this point time and again, more than almost any other. So, as the kalesa disappear little by little, this suffering also becomes less. And a great happiness comes into the mind and heart. Loving kindness develops. And this path eventually leads to enlightenment or nibbana. So I wish 
all present the best of luck in developing on this path.